Hello, this is Mouse and Weens, episode 69 of season three. Today we are going to be talking to sex surrogate Paul Shaw. You can find him at surrogatepartner.care and you can find all of our show notes at mouseandweens.com for information on this episode. And here we go. Here we are. Here we are. It's Mouse Ooh. and Weens. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Mouse. I'm the mom, uncomfortable, suburban <laughs> one. <laughs> And I'm the really confident uh, LA one who's single in the in the film business. <laughs> That's how we're introing ourselves. How funny! I know, right? Okay, we, we were just talking off the air, yes. off the old airwaves about Let's this put next that interview. Whole run. I'm going to put that whole thing on Patreon because there's a million outtakes and it was kind of funny. And I'm going to put no, that on not. Patreon. So go find us on Patreon if you want to hear the real. Deal. No. Okay. Anyway, it's on Patreon. Go to Patreon slash Mouse and Weens. Whatever. Okay. So, what's going on today? What are we going to hear? Weens. This is appropriately titled Episode 69. Yes. Entitled mm-hmm. uh, Episode 69 because we are talking about the the popular topic, sex. Sex. You may have heard about it. You may have experienced it. You may be interested in it. It means we are appropriately going to segue into a conversation with a sex surrogate who is this, I'm very excited, Paul Shaw. And I found him on the on a website, the Center for Healthy Sex. He had a really good interview with Alex, the, the founder of the Center for Healthy Sex, Los Angeles, which a lot of people fly from all over the world to go check out. Ooh. Uh, go there immediately. Bring your family. <laughs> find some healthy sex. Uh-uh. And it's wonderful. No, it's really a good place for learning. I want to be serious about this. It no, is no, a no. very... No, no, no. I get it. Yeah. I know. I'm excited right now. I'm excited for this interview. I'm excited for meeting Paul Shaw. He's a really wonderful person, and he's doing God's work, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to find out what it is. How would you uh, intro into this? I think that everyone needs to hear this. It's an interesting topic, if nothing else. And then if you are dealing with any need for sexual therapy, um, understanding of your body, other people's bodies, I don't know. It's, it's, it was an eye-opening experience hearing this interview. I wish I had been there in person, but alas, I was here on the, on the editing side of it, but... And on the mom's side of life, you're having to deal with kids' stuff, so you right. can't make it. But right. Paul but Shaw helps with sexual surrogacy. Does anyone know what that means? No. Sister? I don't. I had never heard of this until this episode, but you mentioned a movie. So there's a movie in 2012 called The Sessions, mm-hmm. and here's, here's, it. Uh, here's it. Here it is. <laughs> a man... In an iron lung who wishes to lose his virginity, contacts a professional sex surrogate with the help of his therapist and priest, William H. Macy, uh, and it's starring John Hawks and Helen Hunt. It's a very good film. I actually did see it. And you did? I've, I'm always curious. I always watch things about sex and, yeah, it's, you know, it's, taboo, sex, terror, you know what? whatever. We're curious animals and sex is interesting. And we all... And- you know, get to a point when we have the urges and we want to do it, and 
we're married or we're not or we're single. Yeah, so it all makes sense. And <laughs> that's, a, that's very profound. Yes, I'm sorry. I just you know I'm, I'm a mom. Kidding. I keep asshole. thinking my kids are going to hear this, so I have to you know relate it anyway. Anyway, this is very important. I feel that we learn about this. A lot of therapists will uh, get to a certain point with their clients and then maybe call upon someone like Paul Shaw as a sexual surrogate to come in and help out with intimacy issues, etc. So let's hear his interview. Here we go. Hi. Hello. How are you? Thank um, you for coming. Oh, you're very welcome. Oh. I know it took us some time to get together, but that's yes. good. You're a very busy man. Now... I do want to start with very quickly, what is your daily life like? Or is it always different? Um, it's, well, I mean, my base job, my day job is being a personal trainer, boot camp instructor. And then also I do intimacy coaching. And the main thing that I've just started right now is I am a surrogate partner. What is being a surrogate partner? Is that right. how you say it? Okay. So surrogate partner therapy was invented by Masters and Johnson. You know, they did that show Masters of Sex on Showtime. Mm -hmm. So it was those people. And what they realized is certain men during their trials, they needed substitute partner surrogate, right? And you've heard of like uh, a surrogate, you know, for pregnancy, right? Sure. A woman carries someone else's baby. Mm -hmm. Well, this is a substitute for a sex partner. And the thing is, is sex is very little to do with it. You know, uh, you'll hear the word sex surrogate because that's what newspapers like to put on their front covers. But it's really surrogate partner therapy. Now, surrogate partner therapy only works in a triadic model where a therapist calls me in to work with their clients. So it's three people connecting, communicating. I can communicate via the therapist and we can go back and forth because paperwork's been signed so we don't violate HIPAA laws. And essentially, I am there to teach them how to be in a relationship. What's it like to go out on a date? How do I communicate my wants and my needs and desires? Do you know how many people have trouble just asking for what they want? Yeah. Especially women, because they don't feel like they're worthy. Do you know, I cannot oh, tell you. Oh, this makes me so sad. Yeah, I cannot tell you how many women, when I told them you're worthy to have this pleasure, just start breaking down in tears. I'm oh. the first person that told them they, get, they, they have the right to have sex. We can get into that later. Sure. But and some people they use the word sex surrogate, but sex is very little, mm -hmm. very little to do. I mean, it's it's towards the end because there's so much more that has to be done as far as helping people with their all the mental things because yeah. sex don't work unless the mental stuff is taken care of. And mm -hmm. keep in mind. I was a former born again fundamental. Okay, let's get into this. <laughs> yeah. This is freaking yeah. nuts. Yeah. yeah. I was a born again, fundamental street preaching Christian in my 20s. I was a dick. I tried to shut down abortion clinics, strip clubs, all kinds of <laughs> oh, stuff. Oh no, you were oh, that guy. Yeah, I was that guy. <laughs> I was a dick. But I was doing it out of love. But I was a 27-year-old virgin who married a 24-year-old virgin. And I was still a virgin at almost 30. All Go because ahead. of religion. I'll and do the math. Well, no, yeah. I was married for three years and didn't have sex. She had vaginismus. We didn't know. And we didn't say What's anything that? about it. Vaginismus is... A type of anxiety around the muscles of the vaginal opening. So whenever I tried to enter her, it was stupid painful, super painful. There was so much, and keep in mind, she was raised in a Southern Baptist household where if you touched yourself, you'd make God angry. So she never explored herself. Aww. She never fingered herself. She never 
explored her this Volvo. There's a lot of people out there too, yeah. still to this yeah. day, which I also want to talk about. But yeah, yeah, I mean, a lot of your fundamental Christians, Jews, Muslims, it happens to a lot of women that come from those backgrounds. And so the moment they haven't touched themselves, they don't know what an orgasm feels like. And some guy's trying to put a penis inside them. That's a pretty traumatic event. Yeah. And so, but we didn't know what it was. And yeah. So how do you, how did you go from being married? What made you get into this world? Is it because she couldn't have sex? And so you started exploring? Well, you start, you said oh you were my God, doing this really is a long story. Uh, Can you shrink it too? Oh, I'll try. Or is it too much? Because we don't have to go super well, extra. Well, I like to say that in 2005, I was a born-again fundamental Christian, obese, 53-inch waist car salesman in Hickory, North Carolina. I lost all the weight, changed my life. I discovered acting because I was into black and white thinking. I joined the Marine Corps because I had a chaotic childhood. The Marine Corps is black and white. This is right. This is wrong. And then when someone started telling me about the Bible, sorry to the Christians out there, but, you know, oh, I just do what the book says. I don't have to think. Mm-hmm. I just, the Bible says this, good. Sure. We're good to go. And Was your household, was everyone like addicts? Not, and, oh, no, no, not at all. Well, nobody. my dad was an alcoholic, but like we weren't into religion or anything growing up. But I grew up in the South, so it was kind of everywhere. But because it was so loose, you wanted structure right, wrong. You yeah, to we had, yeah. Well, I had alcoholic for a father, so yeah. it was chaos, moving from place to place, sleeping on my uncle's couch, you know, because we got kicked out of the house or whatever. Yeah. After I lost all the weight, I discovered acting. Now most people are like, oh How God, another actor. I was 35 at the time. Okay. And the thing is, You mean is 50 now? 48. 49. Sorry, go ahead. But I don't look 49. <laughs> He's good. You're yeah. good looking. Thank you. I'm I just saying. It. Yeah, thank you. I don't act my age at all. <laughs> uh, but the interesting thing is, is I, I'll never forget. This is the moment where everything changed. We were doing a scene and we got done. And I was like, all right, let's do it again to make sure it's perfect. And the art director looks at me and goes, oh, honey, this is art. There's no perfect. And that was the first moment of like, oh, I don't have to look at just black and white. There's green and blue and all these different colors. And I thought, oh. And then I got into acting. I went deep. I'd travel three hours one way for a class. And then... I had an acting coach tell me I had to come to LA. I've been on Criminal Minds. I got the SAG card. I did all those things. I've been in commercials. And the thing about acting, I like to say, is that it changed my life. Art changed my life. Stella Adler says, you'll never know someone until you walk in their shoes. Mm -hmm. So I got to walk in the shoes of five different kind of gay men, whether it was the stockbroker who hadn't come out to his family to the guy in assless chaps on the gay pride parade who is super feminine. What are you right? saying? That these are roles that you Th- These are roles in, I played. Within so, Stella Adler. With Stella classes, Adler, right. Schooling? Classes okay. or plays or wow. whatever. And so the thing is, is not just one type of gay man, but five different kinds of, you know, different iterations of these different men because I got to learn what a human was. Mm-hmm. And when you start living in their shoes. I played a trans character that changed my life on a genetic, if I never act another day in my life, that role changed. I went Daniel Day-Lewis on that role and it changed my life. I walked around the city as this character. I mean, and this was in February. This wasn't like haha for Halloween. And that moment got me to understand people on such a deep, level because you're in the makeup you're in the hair you're walking around la you're getting looks not just that i wrote a monologue to come out to my daughter wow 
I had to discover how to put on nail polish because that's what this character struggled with. Bo Bridges played the character on Broadway. Wow. And what, so what is this, by the way? It's called Looking for Normal. Mm. It's about a yeah. uh, a guy who's married, has a daughter, and he works in rural Ohio at a John Deere plant. He comes out to his wife and his pastor that he wants to transition. And the whole play is about gender identity, sexual orientation, all these different minutiae. It is one of the best plays I've ever read in my life. I, but keep in mind, I was a born-again fundamental Well, Christian. I'm going to say I this is been... a parallel story in some way, right? Yeah. What do you mean? Well, I'm no, I was looking at you're going to say something else probably. I was thinking of it as you are from a small town, you're from Hickory, and now you're experiencing the idea that you want to explore your own sexuality. Right. Is it similar in that way? Is it well, a parallel? Well, yeah. Um, no. I mean, yeah. Well, my wife and I eventually got into ethical non-monogamy. We started becoming swingers, and then we became polyamorous and all that stuff. So... The thing is, you you mentioned something about a parallel life. I think discovering art along with understanding sexuality and, you know, we met our first BDSM couple and they got us into it. Then I started taking classes and, you know, more and more developing into that sort of thing and just learning. And, you know, being at Stella Adler, she said, once you stop growing, you start dying. True. So I kept growing. I, all my friends. But you're doing the, it in both areas in acting. Are you still pursuing that, or is this sort of taking that? This same? kind of has taken over, but I, I think I have really fallen. One of the things that I had a, a mentor. He said, "You know, you're going to become a great actor when you stop giving a shit about acting." Yeah. Yeah. And all the stuff that actors have to do, right? And. Really, in the last five years, I've discovered who I am, and I love who I've become. Okay, I'm going to go to a couple of my questions. Ready? Da, da, okay. da. Da, da. Do you need a break? Rapid fire? No, no. We can... Okay, so so we kind of got into your backstory. Who are your main clientele? <clears throat> I've got a client. She's a client in a wheelchair. She's a 68-pound woman. Uh you know, twisted spine, the muscular dystrophy has contracted all of her muscles and it's just tearing her apart. And when she was a, uh, when she was a little girl, they told her, well, you're not going to live past 18. And then when she was 18, they said, well, you're probably not going to make it to 25. And then when she was 25, they were like, well, probably sex isn't going to be a thing for you. And she was like, fuck that. And, you know, when she was 30, she found a sex therapist and that person brought me in to help her. And, you know, it's been workshopping. It's been showing her that she has the right to pleasure. She has the right and she has no mobility. So we're figuring out how can you give a hand job? How can you have oral sex? And, you know, and so we are doing things like that. Is this the first time she's ever experienced this? Yeah. In her oh, life? every day, every session. Like we meet once a week. We've done it for like 20 weeks. Probably have another 10 or 12 weeks to go. So and is this after she developed muscular dystrophy that she has? No, she's had... had it since she was a kid. So she hasn't had sex. You're the first person she has. I was the first person. I mean, wow. the the first thing I used on her was the my little pinky. Wow. You know, and how long did it take to get to physical part? Well, was she ready? Well, I mean, like for example, we started off with like kissing. Mm -hmm. What's that like? I've never really been kissed like that before. Aww. You know, and also, hey, what can she do? She liked to be, you know, grabbed by the hair by the back back of the head, right? What does that feel like? What does that look like? We workshop everything. Wow. And like, how far can her hand go to caress my hand? How far, you know, she can't even turn her head. 
So how does she get picked up? How does she get put in the bed? Where are her knees, legs, everything? She has n- almost no mobility. And so and I, she doesn't even know how she would explain this or communicate this to someone else. Cause you, so you're teaching her how to... I'm teaching her how to use the words to yeah. get what she wants. Wow. That's right? awesome. And, and the thing is, is... She has a ton of fear. She went out on like 15 grinder and Tinder dates and they all flamed out. And it's because she can't reach out and put her hand on the guy's shoulder to show interest. She yeah. can't. And so she has to learn how to use her words and her sexual power and her energy, right? If she doesn't come in confident mm-hmm. like a freaking tiger, yeah, the guy is going to like be like, well, I didn't really feel anything. Yeah. You know, so she has to learn how to communicate and it has taken us... You have no idea how long. And she's how not the only sessions? one. Everyone. Well, we've already, like I said, we've already done like 19 or 20. We have another 10 to go at least. And keep in mind, she meets with me once a week and then she meets the with therapist. her therapist because she has to process. She's falling in love with me, right? Oh, she's having yeah. feelings. So she has to process those feelings. And eventually at the end of the process, there will be a breakup. How do you feel about this? Well, here's the deal. Her therapist came and made her admit to me that she had feelings mm-hmm. and how can you not it would be really oh no hard. of course not like no no, no. Yeah. You, and, and we don't we don't we don't discourage that actually because for her to feel to be in love with somebody for them to be kind to them for them to respect their no to respect their boundaries to do things to them they never thought would ever happen in her entire life yeah of course our, our clients are going to fall in love with us. And, you know, when she told me, you know, I'm, you know, my therapist is making me tell you this, that I'm falling in love with you. I was like, oh, that is beautiful. Thank you so much. I receive that love. That is amazing. And I want you to know that we are doing this. So someday you can fall in love with any man you want and go have any kind of relationship you want. That's my goal. And the thing is, eventually there will be a breakup. And the reason why that has to happen is because they have to be able to practice and emotionally work through letting another person go. They're going to have breakups in their lives. And they have that's just as important as falling in love, as learning how to kiss, as learning how to, you know, ask for what you want. What's it like to process? And so there, there's a, a moment when we have our last session, there's a celebration of our time together and what we've learned. And then she won't be allowed to contact me and I won't contact her for, it can be anywhere from six months, a year, two years. And the whole concept is to push the baby bird out of the nest. And, you know, and so, you know, there've been surrogate partners that have gotten in trouble for dating their clients. There's one that's married who, I watch videos on this too, the lady who is now married to 25 yeah, yeah, yeah. Years to well, I mean, just... and, and that's a different kind of case. But the thing is, is after the first couple of years, then, you know, if that's a thing, but the, the it is in total, de- it is so detrimental to that client mm. to sit there and try to date them in the middle of this process. That's I awful. mean, you are It'd be like a therapist. Yeah. Around with yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, no, it's a dual it, relationship. Exactly. It's terrible. The clients on the surrogate side are going to be more, I don't know if fragile is the right word, sure, but I maybe think undeveloped. Sexually. Yeah. Yes. Thank okay. you. Uh, they're, you know, they're going to be more undeveloped. Uh, they're going to have a lot more sexual dysfunction with the surrogate client. I am really holding space because every single day we are having huge, oh my gosh, I never thought that was possible. For them, yeah. Yeah, and for her, big she, like her big thing was penetration. Let's get to penetration. Let's get to penetration. I'm like, whoa, 
do you even know what your breasts feel like? Wow. Do you know what it feels like to have your, your stomach kissed? Do you know what it feels like to have your hair stroked? Do you know what it's... Let's figure out if you can stroke a guy's hair. Let's see if you can do all these things. Like we start off with like a hand caress where I caress her hand. She's like, let's get to it. Yeah, I've exactly. waited my whole life. Yeah, and but you know what the funny part is? <laughs> I was like, we're going to do a hand caress exercise. I'm going to caress your hand for my pleasure and you're going to enjoy it for your pleasure. I'm not going to try to perform or, or give you any kind of pleasure. This is about me. Believe it or not, when it's done that way, the other person feels super connected to you. The person oh. is receiving. And the funny part is I was like, okay, it's your turn. She goes, three minutes? I don't know if I... This is the girl who wants to be penetrated. Wow. Get right to sex. But you can't even look into my eyes and caress my hand. That's intimate. I mean, it's very yeah. different to do that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, they're like, hey, you can you can f*** me, but... You You're know. not looking in your eyes, yeah. even. Yeah, let's do it in the dark. And you know what the, the really sad part is? Is I was like, okay, so where is this coming from? And she looked at me and goes, isn't this what guys want? And it broke my heart. That's what we all do. Isn't it terrible? It's terrible. We all just want to please the guy. And that has to stop. Yeah. Almost, I'll say most. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of guys, they want to perform too. You know, I think things like misogyny, patriarchy, those kind of things, they, guys, they hurt us too. They've damaged us in a lot of ways. You have to play this part. And uh, if you're playing a part, you can't be in your body. So uh, did that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. those are the various. But then I have, I have a 22-year-old woman who had a terrible experience with a guy who said he was a dom and abused her. And then one of her friends said, you should go see Paul. Because I like to give emotionally corrective experiences. And so she came to me to get... Because she enjoyed BDSM and right now there was so much trauma around it. So she came to me and I literally wrote down exactly what she wanted and we did that. And she had a beautiful, emotionally corrective experience. And now she's able to go and have relationships and stuff like that because she needed to have that experience so she could move on. So How much is mental? I mean, it really feels the brain, like... Yeah, the brain is your largest sex organ. Yeah. I mean, most people who have erectile dysfunction, it's mental. A lot of people who do, or people who have uh, lost cum control or orgasmic control, uh, they, you know, men who have lost orgasm control and they come within, you know, 20 seconds, that's mental. That is something that needs to be worked on. Is there usually a reason for that? that oh, it could be anything from trauma. It could be anything from too much porn. It could be... I mean, it could be a number of things. Yeah. It, it just depends on where they're at. And when they're in their heads, mm-hmm. right? And they're thinking, oh, it's taking too long. It's taking mm-hmm. too long for me to have an orgasm. Well, if a, guys, pro tip, if you can create that space where it's about the journey, if you get to an or- orgasm, great. If you don't, that's great. It does not matter. It's about the journey. Now, if you're one of these guys that, you know, has sex, he goes ahead and has his orgasm and then he falls asleep. Well, that's not right either. We don't want that. But if you can take that pressure off anyone, I mean, look, if a guy has a problem getting it up and he's thinking about the fact that he can't get it up, he ain't getting it up. Yeah. Right? So it goes both ways. But It's this, so mental. Oh yeah, my God. It's all mental. Yeah. And the, the beautiful thing though is 
I got rid of my ego when it comes to a woman having an orgasm, but then it took the pressure off of me. It's not my fault. I yeah. did all I could and that's great. And so, you know, and it's a wonderful thing. The thing is it still feels good. I can't tell you how many women I've been with, and this is just personally, who have been like, that's some of the greatest sex I ever had. That's what they said. I didn't say that. And they never had an orgasm. They didn't because it's almost impossible. But for them, because we were able to create that space where it was like, hey, it doesn't matter. Just enjoy it. Enjoy the pleasure of it. Enjoy how good it feels. And for a lot of guys, if you have trouble getting an erection, do you know how many women love playing with a limp cock? Really? Uh, I wish more men understood that, hmm. you know, for the right woman, it's going to be great. And then they yeah. can take the pressure off themselves and then they'll probably get an erection. That's sad. I had one person that was having issues and it just became, it really was a self-fulfilled prophecy and he mm -hmm. got really stuck in this idea that he is that person who will, it will never happen again. And sure. Then, a lot of our problems is we do get into our heads. I've had mm -hmm. a lot of female clients in the body work and surrogate side who are like, well, good luck getting me out of my head. I'm trying to say less this phrase, I need to get you out of your head. Yeah. Because we're going to be in our head no matter what. And so I think a better way to say it is I need to get you into your body. Mm -hmm. I want to get you into your body and get you focused on your body. And so that's what it's about. Why are people so afraid to be in their body? What? I mean, I know that's a very general, big sweeping question, but... Well, it's mindfulness. We're not mindful. We're not purposeful. Vulnerability? About, well, that, but we're also not... I mean, yes, you have that where, am I taking too long? And is he going to look at the squish on my belly and look down on me? Like, and we're, look, I used to be a 300-pound, obese, 53-inch, wasted car salesman in, in Hickory, North Carolina. So I got stretch marks. I'm always, I'm having to drop in. So we all have those issues. We're, we're always in our heads when it comes to, you know, we get flooded with 70,000 thoughts a day, but we tend to hang on to that one about my stretch marks. Yeah. Or we tend to hang on to that one of, is it taking too long? Oh, I can't get hard. Or, you know, we grab onto that thought. It's, look, Shakespeare said, there is no good or bad thinking makes it so. Mm -hmm. So that one of 70,000 thoughts is no more important than any of the others. But we grab onto that and hold onto it like it's Gollum in yeah. the ring, you know, my precious. We want yeah, yeah. it. Um, but... Yeah, so that's kind of one of the, we're, we're not mindful. We're, we're not sitting here focused on the skin that's being touched. We are worried about what the other person says. A lot of women will become performative, right? Am I looking the right way? Am I moaning the right way? Is, do I look okay? Because society told them they have to look like well, they're Well, and also, yes, exactly. That's what I was going to say because most guys do have an expectation mm -hmm. too, it feels like. Yep. So and the, the problem is the guys are being performative as well. Everyone yeah. is trying to perform this role when it's like, why don't you just feel your skin? Feel what it feels like to be touched. Feel the peach fuzz on your back being stroked. Feel the nails and that skin that's being touched by those nails of your partner. One of the things I used to do is when I was having sex, I'd be looking at this woman and... In my head, I'd be thinking, are we ever going to do this again? Is this the last time? Instead of enjoying the human woman in front of me, I was worried about the future. So I was in my head. Future tripping. Right? It's future so... tripping, right. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I discovered is if I can dial into my senses of touch, taste, smell, see her, look at her eyes, you know, from the side view as I'm kissing her on the neck, taste her. If I can get you to focus on your senses... 
you drop into your body because you're literally focusing on your senses, which are your body. And so that's just a pro tip to help you and then to also help your partner. You know, we're lacking in a lot of touch in this mm-hmm. world. And so sometimes that's all you need is a little bit of touch. Yeah. Non-sexual touch. Yeah. Agreed. Okay, I've just done some deductive stuff here. Tell me if I might have hit on something. Okay. You, it seems like you have a depth to you and maybe it came from somewhere in the Christian stuff as much as you don't like it or maybe there's something that, but it feels like you really are giving gifts to people. You're trying to help the betterment of women. Right. You're trying to, so well, I do like, you have a, is your purpose to? Well, I am not religious, right? Mm-hmm. I am a secular humanist. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in the supernatural, but I like to say what I do is sacred and holy. You know, if there's any spirituality in me, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's connecting that energy, helping someone move that energy and get it out of their body. The Why tension. do you feel compelled to do that? I don't know. It just kind of fell into it. It just I've I had lovers and partners who were like you. I would pay for what you just did to me. One lady said that is some voodoo. So I like to say a lot of what I do is voodoo. You don't even know what's happening to you, you know. And so it's one of those beautiful things, and you keep having people share with you their experience and you're like wow i'm really good at this i didn't know it's just i explore i workshop every single client i like to say i'm going to learn something from you that's going to be paid forward to help another human being i've literally had women say i didn't even know that part of my body existed because they've never been touched there and so i want to know I want to be curious about what happens if I do this, if I do that. Oh, look at this. And you're just exploring the skin around? Most women have never explored their But that's what gets you hot, too. It starts to build, and you're not going right in for it every fucking time. I always like to say, hey, guys, there's more to the body than the nipple and the, the, the vulva, right? For those of you who don't know what the vulva is... It is basically all the space on the outside of a woman that the light hits. So all the labia and the clitoral hood, and that's called the vulva. If the light hits it, it's the vulva. Everything inside is the vagina. Interesting. I didn't didn't even know that. Yeah, as far as being able to explore, you know, I had a partner take me to a tantric weekend, and I learned about that. And I learned how to do the sacred spot massage. Uh, And so I took that and worked on it. And then I added to it. I didn't stay in that lane. A lot of people, when they do Tantra, they're going to stay in that Tantric lane. So I've, I had this one lover. She said, quote, I have been with some of the greatest dakas and dakinis, which are male, female Tantric practitioners. And she said, none of them have ever touched my insides like you just did. And I was kind of taken aback by it. But then I realized I'm going, I am learning a thing and then I'm expanding on it. I like to say I like to do secular Tantra because... I'm not going to just stay in that tantric lane. I'm going to explore all these other things because I'm curious. And that's how I'm able to find all these other spots. What do you spots. mean the other things, meaning inside? Yeah, because the they're, they're okay. trained to go straight for the sacred spot, yeah. the G spot. They're trained to do this and that and this. But then I'm like, what about all the rest of it in there that most people, like I like to say, I'm going to know your vagina better than you will by the end of a session, right? And, and so it's- Are they about, similar though? Like, can you- or do yeah, have every spots that are not your G well, spot, it's your A spot. Or... Well, right. There's an A spot, a K spot, G spot. Um, the thing is, is 
Everybody is different. Everybody has trauma and tension in different parts of their body. Sometimes if I touch a spot, somebody's like, oh my gosh, that's a bone. And I'm like, no, that's a muscle that hasn't moved in a very long time. It is tight. It's not moving. It's probably why you're having pain when you do this, when you do that. And so we have to go in there. So everybody's insides are different. Uh, but, you know, there's always this. Mostly there's going to be a cervix. There's unless hysterectomy, right? Most women have an A spot and a G spot. And most women have vulva, right? They have inner lips and outer lips. And just to let everyone know, every vulva is different. Some women have really big labia. Some women have them tucked in to where you can't even see them at all. Vulvas are amazing. They're all different. Go on the internet and type in vulvas and look at the images and you'll see they're all different. Some of them have got like little... This is where pornos ruin it. Well... Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. Although I, there's different categories right. now. At least they're Yeah, at least there's amateur. Jeez, I mean, it's just yeah. this kind of penis is... And if you have anything different... Right. I mean, like, for example, I like taking a picture of the woman's vulva to show them how amazing it is. But and then you just are like a serial killer where you probably have them all up on your wall. Just. Yes, that's what I do. Yeah, and I have pictures and... yeah. Um, but the thing is, is like, you know, some vulva, the lips have a, a nice brown edge border to them. Some of them are pink. Some of them are brown. Some of them are brown in this space and the rest of like some women who are super pale will still maybe have a, a brown uh, vulva. And so the thing is, is let's give us, I mean, there, I had one woman, she had really big inner lips. And of course, you know, you hear guys saying stupid things like, oh, they're just meat curtains or yeah, yeah. This. I mean, now people get a labiaplasty, right? Now some women need it because it's painful, right? They've, they've got labia that are so long that it's painful. They can't wear jeans. That's one thing. But now people are doing it. Look, you can do whatever you want to your body. But it really is sad that women are going to do it because they feel in... Lungs. Yeah, they feel like they're inadequate, that they're not enough. They're, I try to tell women, there are websites dedicated to your vulva. That there are websites. Yes, there are yeah. whole websites dedicated to this vulva right here. Well, then big why... Clits, big hoods, yeah. whatever. Why is it then that we're signing up for this one look? No, it's from porn. pornos. Yeah. Why are they driving that? Why not? I mean, what is that? It just it, it's like Fashion Week, or I think that, so. I mean, that's it. yeah. I mean, why do the fashion companies say you got to be a size zero or two or whatever to look good in this particular thing? So, it's just We've education. Break that down. Yeah. yeah. One of the things I like to do this I learned in the Tantra weekend. I like to you know do uh, I like to say pussy gaze. I'm just gonna sit there and look and describe what I see to you. And some women cry. Some women, it's really hard to have someone with your legs spread looking like 20 inches away from it and describing it. And I, I try to do it in a way that's non-judgmental, but I say how I feel like, oh, that's really pretty. Oh, I love this. Oh, I see the, the like freckle you have on your thigh. But the thing is, is for some women, it's the first time they felt seen. It's the first time someone has just not wanted to fuck them, but actually see them. And it can be pretty powerful, that little moment. And make moment. them feel like they're accepted through mm -hmm. something that's so hidden and exactly. shame-related and everything. And then you just have yep. someone saying, I love it. Yep. Some women have never even seen their vulva. I have to break out a, pic I have to break out a mirror wow. or camera and take a picture and let them see it. And they're like, holy crap, that's that's my vulva and then i have to go online and show them the hundred other vulvas so they don't start getting 
you know, they start getting insecure about theirs. So, yeah. Really? This is so sad to me. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of women that I know that still haven't had an orgasm who are 40s, 50s, who won't touch themselves, Mm -hmm. who just say, oh, it's not for me. Like, that's just, I don't need an orgasm or sex isn't for me or. Yeah. What do you say to that? Because I find it crazy. Why wouldn't you want to hit the biggest pleasure center of your body? Because women's sexual pleasure doesn't matter. Because they were told that or because, could there be people that really just don't care? I mean, it is the patriarchal society, right? I'm not, it really is. I mean, they're just now discovering what orgasms and how that works. I mean, it's taking, because it's all about the man's pleasure, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Birth control is all about the women taking the pill or taking the shot or taking the IUD or whatever. And... So yeah, it's all about the guys. No one's really paid attention to what a G-spot orgasm ejaculation kind of thing is. We're just now discovering what all that stuff is. And so we just haven't really cared about what women's pleasure is. And this is women my don't problem. feel like well, but women don't feel like they're worthy. They've never mm-hmm. been told they're worthy of having orgasms. Yeah. Well, next year I'm going to be teaching a class for men and couples to come in and like let's educate you the way I've learned. And what I've discovered, and then you can take it home and see what you can do with it. How do you get that going? Because, I mean, it's so hard to get out of your door to do something like that. Or well, is I, there I, a world out there that, like, I, what is it like out there? I literally have former lovers who are like, let me know. I'll be your demo. Mm-hmm. You can sit here and let people touch me so I can show them what it feels like. So I can help men be better lovers to their women. They want to serve women by helping men. So, I mean, I've already got plenty of, I mean, I'm kind of awestruck that women would trust me and they would be like, no, show off my vulva so men know what it is and teach them. And so hopefully next year we'll start getting that going, so. And you think people will come for it or is it? I hope so. I mean, if the men will read my reviews and see what women have had with me, then- You're great, I've read your reviews. You're very legitimately doing good work out there. Right. Yeah, I appreciate you wanting to promote me. The thing is, is that, especially for women, like I said, that one woman was like, I felt like a loser for having to call you, right? For a lot of women taking that step to own their sexual power, to stand into their power and lean into that edge, it's really freaking hard. That's why surrogate partner therapy is not surrogate partner therapy without the triadic model, without the therapist involved. With you. Mm-hmm. So if, if I do anything similar to that and there's no therapist involved, that's just like intimacy coaching. You know, it's different. Which is what? Can you explain that real fast? Or are you well, intimacy coaching is, you know, helping someone drop into their space. Uh, How would that, what would that being, look like? Well, teaching someone to ask for what they want. And so you would meet them and just talk? Yeah, well, I mean... Or would you touch and help them with intimacy? Yeah, it just depends on what they want. If there's someone who's never had an orgasm, I'm like, all right, let's explore what's going on before that. Let's explore. Well, let's send you to a pelvic floor specialist. So a lot of times when we go through trauma, our body is just trying to help us out. It stiffens up the pelvic floor. A lot of uh, PTSD from our soldiers back in Iraq, they had super tight pelvic floors. So I knew a pelvic floor therapist. She would go in with her finger and try to massage uh, their pelvic floor because the muscles were so tight they didn't move. Where is that? um, USC. No, where's the pelvic floor? The pelvic Sorry, floor how do you anus. go in? Okay. Anus right in there. Yep, that's... Well, and on women, you can kind of go in through the pelvic floor a little bit through the uh, vaginal opening and kind of work in there as well. And 
let's see if there's tightness and things in there from trauma that are keeping things from not working. But you would physically up. feel where maybe the tension is it, held. It just depends. Just if depends. I do a, you know, I'm going to do the history interview. I'm going to ask them what their history is, what their relationships have been like. And, you know, if there's someone who's had trauma or they don't even know if they've had trauma, sometimes you, something will happen and they didn't even know it was going to happen. Maybe I touch them in a certain space on their back in a way that reminds them of their grandfather raping them when they're nine and they totally forgot about it. Then we have a whole nother issue. So if we're going to do some deep, deep work, I want them to have a therapist ready to go because they will have crashes or one one of my clients one time said no this was this was actually one of my i i got together about four or five women to test and to see if what i'm doing is going to work before i decided to put it you know say hey i'm gonna do this professionally and one of them was like yeah there was a door that got broke open that i didn't want to open and now i have to go deal with it and i was Mm -hmm. like I'm glad you have a therapist. I'm glad that you're seeing your therapist on Tuesday because this is you're going to start the work right now. So it feels like, the, and that might be important like, <clears throat> to probably, you're going to be helping to break a lot of things open. And if the body's holding shame, you're helping with the body part, whereas a therapist... I mean, you're doing therapy, but you're more doing touch therapy, I would think. Yeah, most of my stuff is going to be more Because the therapist somatic. isn't going to touch you, so you're going right. to need... But you might need two in combination. Well, processing feelings, processing emotions that are going to come up from all kinds of this work. Yeah, that's what that therapist needs to be there for. Yeah. You know, or really to help the client, you know, the one therapist made the client come and say, hey, I'm having feelings for you. You know, she thought that would be a, how many women have fallen in love with somebody and they're afraid to say, I love you. So that's another tip, I think is it's okay to have your feelings. And if that person, after you've explained, these are my feelings, you don't need to have the same feelings. It doesn't need to be reciprocated. I'm still in this. If they run away, well, that's their problem. You should be able to express how you feel. I love that. I think that's so, so healthy. Yeah. And then what that does is it takes this pressure off and mm-hmm. the person's probably going to fall in love with you. Right, because they're <laughs> feeling love. Because they're free, right. too. But it's not, why didn't you say I love you back? Yeah. All now all of a sudden there's neediness, codependent, yeah. like all that stuff. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And that's the beauty of what I do. Like the one client who's like, I don't have to go out on 10 dates to find one, maybe one asshole who knows what he's doing. Yeah. You know, I know you know what you're doing and you're not going to become a crazy stalker. Yeah. You know, yeah. so a and lot. How many classes have we taken too? I mean, oh, have you taken dozens, dozens, hundreds dozens, of, hundreds yeah. of hours? Yeah. Really? Yeah. But then I've, again, workshopping on a lover or somebody and discovering new things, being curious. What does that feel like? What is, oh, your body just did a thing. What was that? So you're really, really exploring that. What do you want to get out of this world? I don't want anything out of the world. I just want to give back to the world. Okay. But you have to learn and like soak in so much that... Well, Stella Adler, once you stop growing, you start dying. Okay. She was reading plays at 90 plus years People would come to grab her and drive her back to Stella Adler. And they talked about how she would just be surrounded by scripts. Like she's read Death of a Salesman hundreds of times and she's still reading it, trying to get more in there to learn more. And that was very, that really affected me when I heard that story. And I have so many friends that are in their 40s, they're just waiting to die. They've become fat, old, they've, 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 
been married, they got their kids, they got the two cars in the driveway, they have their, or they're on their third wife or whatever. And the thing is, I think a lot of them are just waiting to die. You know? What next? Yeah. I've done my thing. So I'm not. I want to keep Yay! learning, keep growing. And I, I encourage everyone, if I'm going to be in a relationship with you, you had better be growing constantly. Now, how, what is your feeling about settling down with one person? I would like to, your, yeah. I'd like to find a life partner. Mm-hmm. You know, we may be ethically non-monogamous. I don't know what that's going to look like. If we'll do things together as a couple or we'll date separately. I don't know. But right now, I definitely want to find my person, my forever family. And still have the life that you have. So that person would have to be. Oh, yeah. Like the, okay the woman, the girlfriend I have right now, she loves hearing stories, Aww. you know, and she thinks it's awesome. And it's, you know, I have to be with someone who's okay with that. Like, if you're someone who doesn't want to hear about what I do, it's probably not going to work. Yeah. I have a particular set of skills that are very unique. And it's taken me a long time to develop those. And I'm still workshopping them. I'm still learning. Uh, and it makes me really proud that I can do things that most people have never even heard of. No, most people never thought were possible. And I would like to be able to share those things and teach men to be better lovers. Teach women to be able to own their sexual power, if that makes sense. I think we this could, is going to enlighten a lot of people. We can talk all day about this. Yeah, stuff, I'd love it. So how do we find you? Mr. Shaw at Hush. Dot com. That's mr.shaw at hush.com. And that's encrypted. So if you need extra security, because you don't really want to, we can encrypt the emails for you. So perfect. Yeah. Okay. Looking forward to hearing from you. All right. All thank right. you. Great interview, Weens. That was very enlightening. I learned a lot. And I'm glad he's out there helping people. That's very cool. Yes. And thank you, Paul, for coming. That's really awesome. And thank you for listening. Everybody's out there listening. And Paul has a new website, Joe. Do you have that? Yes. Right. Yeah. It's surrogatepartner.care is his website. So S-U-R-R-O-G-A-T-E partner.care. And you can contact him and see the services there. So it's a very good thing. Yeah. It's worth giving him a ring. That's right. Thank you, everybody, for listening and following us on social media. If you aren't already, please find us at Mouse and Weens everywhere, as well as on Facebook. You can join our page or our group, which is more of the behind-the-scenes stuff. And then please uh, check out Patreon slash Mouse and Weens. We're going to put some outtakes from this episode there that you won't hear anywhere else. Um, Things we're trying to hide, but we're sticking them there, so find out even find more find out all our secrets on Patreon secrets and it's for the VIP members only so you do have to pay a teeny bit just the price of a coffee y'all and that'll help us pay for our uh, hosting costs and keep this going which we would love to keep doing so we appreciate everything you're doing and we will see you on the flip side we'll catch you on the flip side Davy Jones Brady Bunch <laughs> bye 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 Tangly mess, a tangly mess. How do we do with love? Causes pain, sticks in our brains, makes us insane. Totally worth it. Waiting, intenting, believing, and dreaming. Waiting.